shoot kids up slow. You mean your mom doesn't buy you Heinz? Nope, why should she? Wait till you taste it. Have you processed your success lately? Try this as a Google search. Search these two phrases in quotations. Learn from failure or learn from success. The former returns 352,000 results and the latter 138,000. That's half as much. And in business, especially marketing, I can tell you it's even less common than that. We try a particular strategy or media or piece of content and where or if it fails, we conduct the post-mortem analysis. We process it. We labor over it. We figure out how to never make that mistake again. We mea culpa all over it. That sounds kind of dirty, doesn't it? Anyway, we dissect it for all the reasons we failed. And we do all of this so that we absolutely, positively don't ever do it that way again. Right? But how often do we do that when we succeed at something? Why are we so eager to process our failures and so reluctant our victories? It feels like gloating, right? Failure is just easy to feel, but success, well, there must have been luck involved or something just happened to, you know, go our way or it was a good bet that paid off. But here's the thing, it's not gloating, it's science. Despite the feeling to the contrary, you actually learn more processing a success than you do a failure. There was a study done by MIT that concluded that we do indeed learn more from our successes. What they concluded was that brain cells actually keep track of whether recent behaviors were successful or not. And when a behavior is successful, brain cells become more finely attuned to what was learned. After a failure, there's little or no change in the brain, nor was there any improvement in behavior. So you take out the geek speak, and the study basically found that our brain processes a victory or is rewarded for a task, our brains process that information much more carefully than when we fail at a task. We have to stop believing that failures are habits and success is a fluke. When we do something great, when we birth a new idea or have a great new product or a wonderful new piece of content, let's process that. In fact, let's look at it the same way that we might process that failure we just had. Let's acknowledge our part of the success. Let's figure out how we might change to do it again. Celebrate the victories, no matter how small. And that's the theme of our show today. Processing the success versus the failures and understanding that both of those things help us learn about how to avoid one and duplicate the other. And now it's time for me to process the fact that I got this in under three minutes and start our anniversary show. You ready to process your awesomeness? Well, then let's roll. For your listening pleasure, here's Polizzi and Rose, PR with this old marketing. Take it away, boys.
Hello, content marketers. This is Robert Rose, and welcome to episode number 156 of PNR's This Old Marketing, the three-year anniversary of PNR's This Old Marketing, recorded Sunday, November 6th, 2016. And with me, as we've been for three years, is my co-host, my colleague, my friend, and the guy that research shows makes me more awesome in content marketing every single day, Mr. Joe Polizzi. How are you, my friend? Happy anniversary. Oh, thank you so much. And this is, we should tell people that this is a strange occasion. I mean, you probably can't tell from listening, but I'm actually looking at you right now. I know. Yeah. And we're looking into each other's eyes. It's uh, it's it's a little romantic. I have to it say, is, our three years actually. Well, the, the candles make it special, so I'm glad you had that idea. A little Sade playing in the background. Enigma. <laughs> yeah. How about that? Here we go. Yeah. yeah. So happy. Yeah. Happy anniversary. It's hard to believe that this is 52 episodes times three. I, it's amazing. It's it's. I mean. I would not, you know, given the way that you and I travel around the world and 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 all the clients we see and the you know the various agendas that we have, it's it's amazing that in three years we have not missed one single week. It's it's I mean it's truly an accomplishment. I I, I have to say I'm pretty proud of it. I I don't know how we did it. <laughs> I, I do. You know, it's funny. I was just thinking the other day as we we're uh, embarking on this. I. I, I don't know what the reason was, but I was driving a rental car, forgot, I think it was in California or something like that, trying to go to some speech. Sure. And I called you up and we talked on the phone for like 45 minutes. And we had a great conversation about content marketing and all kinds of stuff yeah. going on in the industry. And I remember got, exactly where we were, by the way. I'll tell you in just oh, a second. Go oh, ahead. Okay. So <laughs> I forgot, but I remember I was on the yeah. phone and, and we, and all I remember was we got done and we said, we should have really recorded that. And, and then that was the kind of the start of, we should do the podcast. Yeah. Okay. So where were we? We, I was actually in the rental car. I was driving from Chicago down somewhere into the outskirts, you know, like the nether regions of Illinois somewhere. I was in the middle of Illinois. And I the only reason I remember this was because I'm talking with you and you and I had like this hour long conversation while I was driving. And at the end of it, you yeah, you definitely said, we should have recorded that. That was like, that would make a good show. So and where was I at? You were, I, th- I don't know where you were. You were, I don't think you were home. I think you were. So I was in somewhere, somewhere. but a rental car outside of Sheboygan. I don't, <laughs> I just, we probably passed each other on the highway. Sheboygan. The apologies to those in Sheboygan, yeah. all of our fans in Sheboygan. Exactly. But yeah, we made the decision. And what it was, it was probably two weeks later. We actually, one or two weeks later, yeah, we, we, started we started up. We said, let's just do it. Let's see how it goes. And, yeah. And here we are three years later. Unbelievable. And we didn't we hit like some kind of... We did, actually. So we are very proud to announce that uh, we have... It, it happened. It, it's happened. It's past tense, folks. So um, it's actually, uh, for us, it's, 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 you know, we are now looking at a new set, but we have reached the 1 million download uh, of this particular podcast, which is a little scary when you think about it, that this podcast has been downloaded more than a million times. But yeah, there you go. We've reached our 1 million download. I really do feel sorry for all those people <laughs> that, had to, that had to live with us. That's right. But, uh, but hey, I'm, I'm so humbled by it. I, I mean, I love, uh, I, I love, I mean, you, you and I were just talking about the other day how many I went to, I was at a speech this week, I had a couple of people come up and say how much they enjoy the podcast, even people that aren't in the marketing industry, right. which is yeah. odd yeah. to me, but 
I'm glad it's working out. Yeah. yeah. Before we get too far, we have a show sponsor we should probably talk a little bit about here before we get too deep into our own sort of gazing into each other's eyes here. We should probably talk about how we pay some bills. I'm I'm all verklempt here. I yeah. can't even get this thing going. Okay, yes. Uh, our our top sponsor of today's 156 is Noosh. And the good friends at Noosh, Noosh. have their content marketing benchmark report. And each year, Noosh calls through thousands of content marketing projects to gather useful insights about costs, collaboration, vendor management, and more. They've analyzed more than 175,000 projects from companies around the world to summarize things like average cost of a project, number of team members, time to complete, and much, much more. Lots of good things in here. Download your copy of this essential benchmark now to see how your company compares to averages around the world. Get this content marketing benchmark report at cmi.media slash pnr156b. That's cmi.media slash pnr156b. And special thanks to our sponsor, Noosh. Noosh. I love that thing. I, I I went and downloaded it and read it, and it's it's really good. It's I mean it's 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 fantastic. It's a helpful piece of content. It's a really helpful piece of content. And as I said last episode, uh, we have the uh, our sponsors have the coolest names. But uh, I mean, you know, how do you go wrong with a company called Noosh? We have Noosh. We have Curelate later in the episode. Exactly. I mean, you can't. So we have some news. It was a rather slow news week for our anniversary. So we wanted to do something a little special here and, and not just cover, you know, sort of news items that happen to be there. But uh, so we do have something that we'll talk about a little later. But I thought what we could do is talk a little bit about our own success, right? So I think we can both agree that we've been <laughs> certainly you, you know, you have you you have a lot of millions of reasons to be happy these oh, days. Wow. And so uh the you know, but to process some of the success that we've had, you know, both on the show and separately and you know, how we got here and 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 really talk about this because I think it might be helpful for those that are either starting their career and want to sort of become, you know, uh, you know, and I don't, I don't, I hesitate to use the word influencer or thought leader or something like that. But certainly, you know, if they're looking to start a podcast or start their own company or, you know, become, you know, uh, grow a business or something like that, what, what are sort of some of the things that we've done in our careers that have helped us propel ourselves to this space? And maybe then we can talk about some of the companies we've worked with, specifically in content marketing, and talk about, you know, what we've seen really help them succeed. I know I get that question all the time. It's like, what, you know, what are companies doing that are really propelling them to success that aren't just sort of the normal, you know, create a documented strategy? Yes, of course that. But what are they really doing to propel themselves to success? So, so what do you think about that in terms of uh, just talking about our, you know, talking about us for a little bit? I'm, I'm completely open to talking about myself uh, as long you know, and, and you and I talked about this before, I think yeah. is, um, and the only reason why I would want to do it is not to pat ourselves on the back is to how can we be helpful to our audience? Exactly. And, and so, the, so the things that, that we put together. One episode in three years, I think might, you know, I think that's okay. Well, I, I think it's as well, hey, I'm always about being helpful. If we yeah. can be helpful. Exactly. So I don't want them to tune us out until we get to the news. I think that this stuff is, is the stuff that, if you if you do some of these things that we've done, you will be way more successful than you could possibly imagine. 
uh, even more successful than us, which is just a just above it's average. A, yeah, I was going to say that. Just, a, just a hair above yeah, average. Exactly. It's a low bar. Folks. If you want to, <laughs> if you want to be above average, listen to another podcast. If you want to be just a little better than average, I think this is the podcast for you. You've you've hit the right spot, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> this is the sweet spot of being average. The bat four hundred. We're your we're your team. <laughs> oh God! So do you want to you want to start off with I yours? I certainly do. I will tell you. So, um, and I say this, you know, with uh, you know, you know, the fact that we're together is is it is special for me. Um, you know, one of the things that I look back on, and I and and certainly the idea of content marketing and what we're doing now, you know, uh, six and a half years later, is truly a. Uh, a, a work of passion for me. I mean, I, you know, obviously this podcast, the training, the consulting and advisory that I do, the running around the world and getting to speak at places and all of those things are due to the fact that, you know, in 20, literally 2009, uh, you and I started talking seriously about doing stuff together. I was still uh, at my company, the company that I was working for and leading marketing and product there. And I, I can remember the day I had quit my job and I had gone out and was going to go out and hang up my own shingle and get into consulting and start my own little practice. And, and, and at that point, it was a very little practice. I had two clients, all of two clients to speak of. And I can remember that uh, to this day, I remember the conversation with you on the telephone and it was in my little home office, and I walked in, and it was like 4 o'clock in the afternoon. It was evening for you, and, and we had just finished talking, and you had asked me. You had said, do you want to go all in on this? And I remember it so distinctly. You said, do you want to go all in on this and, and on this content marketing thing and you know, come join CMI and, and do all of that? And I walked in, and I told Elizabeth – Elizabeth is my wife – I said, hey, I think I've made a decision to go – all in on this content marketing thing, like become like a content marketing guy, right? And, and do that. And she was like, are you sure? You know, is this the right decision? And I said, yeah, I think I, I really, my gut tells me, so this is, I'm getting around to the point, folks, I promise, um, which is my gut really told me that this was the right thing to do. And in the same way, my gut told me that it was the right thing to do to go out on my own and my gut. And so I think there is a trust in your instinct that is truly a, a – it has served me well anyway, my, my instincts in terms of not what looks right on paper because, quite frankly, this did not look right on paper. This would – you know, if you were to like sort of Excel spreadsheet this all out and run the scenarios and do all of that, this did not look like a road to gold. This looked like – It looked like a dumpster fire. Yeah, was <laughs> you could just say it how it is. Sure, is what it was. <laughs> and so – but it felt right. It felt like – this is the way the world was going. It was certainly something I enjoyed doing, and it was something that – and as a mentor of mine said, because I did go out and talk to all my mentors at that point and said, okay, what do you think? What do you think? And the one of the best pieces of advice that I got from a mentor when I went out and talked to him was he said, listen, he said, can you feed your family? I said, what do you mean by that? And he said, well, if this whole thing blows up in your face, if it does become a dumpster fire, can you feed your family? And I said, yeah, I can go get a job. I can go get a, you know, I can get a marketing manager job or I can go figure out what I want to do. And, you know, I can go manage a restaurant. I can, you know, I can figure out how to, how to feed my family. And he said, then what are you waiting for? He said, because, you know, 
you can fail at something that you're good at, or you can fail at something that you're horrible at, and you can succeed at something that you love, and you can fail at something that you love. He said, so why not succeed or fail at something that you love doing and that you're good at? And if you fail, then fall back on whatever it is you have to do. And it's like, why not take the risk? And from that point forward, it was great. So that would be my first one, which is trust your gut and then find out you know, where what you can do and just go do it. Well, I love that. I mean, life is too short. What yeah. I think that's the, it, I mean, we run into a number of people. Uh, I mean, how many conversations have you and I been like, we're just about to go. We have masterclass as we record this, we'll be in Washington DC tomorrow for masterclass and then Chicago on Wednesday. And how many conversations have you and I gotten into with a marketing manager or director that pulls us in the corner and says, I just don't like where I'm at. I'm yeah. just depressed. And we're like, well, do something about it. Do, are, do you have to be there? Are you forced to be there? Is this something where you're, to your point, your family's not going to make it. You can't put enough food on the table. It's like life is too short. Find, find your passion. Yeah. What are you passionate about? Whatever. If that's in marketing, great. If it's playing an instrument, if it's art, yeah. if it's being a bus driver, I don't care. What What is it? Go find that and run to it as fast as you can. Because who knows where tomorrow's going to take exactly. us. Exactly. It's like that uh, there's a great uh, – and it comes from a weird source, but uh, it was Jim Carrey, actually the actor Jim Carrey, who in a graduation speech basically told the story of his dad who had worked for 50 years for some company and then got laid off. And the point was that you can get fired from a job that you hate. You know, And it's like, it's like so why not go work and find something that you, that you love? Yeah. Well, along those, I mean, we'll, we'll keep going along. That was great, by the way. Thank you for sharing that. The one of the things, I, and I, when I talk about the the other day, I gave a presentation to actually one to Adam's eighth grade class about <laughs> starting a business, which we've talked about it. His two friends gave me an A. My my son gave me an eight point five out of ten, which I guess is a B. Sure. B plus. B plus. So my own family gives me a lower grade than outside. I just wanted to make that, put that on the record oh, yeah, there. Right. No, I still love him. That's yeah. okay. He's very critical. He's still invited to dinner. He's <laughs> unbelievable. Uh, but I, when I do a presentation for starting a business, which I seem to be doing more and more of, and I gave a workshop on Saturday to about 100 uh, small business owners, I always start with journaling. Like my journal, my journal is very important. I have journals all over my office. Yeah, it's very important to me. Yeah. And But it took me a while to find the process. And I think I have the process that's really worked for me in making the decisions that are good for my family, good for me, that going toward my passion. So, and, and I read three books to get there. And I think you know this, but I'm, I'll go through the books. It's Think and Grow Rich, yeah. Napoleon Hill, uh, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, and then The 10X Rule by Grant Cardone. I'm not a huge, 10X Rule is an okay book, but there's a portion of that book that's really powerful and it's on setting goals. Yeah. And so as I would write things down and write what I wanted to accomplish, I formalized that process after reading those three books into six categories and into categories like spiritual goals, family goals, financial goals, career goals. And I would I put these on each page of my journal and on each under each one of those topics, let's say career goals, I would write a very specific thing that I wanted to accomplish. And I would write it in the present tense, like I have sold my business for X amount of money, whatever. You you do it so you can actually measure it. 
okay, great. You put those, and it takes a while to get there. I would say a good solid six months of figuring out, is this what I want to do? Is this what I don't want to do? But the key is you review it every day. So every morning I would look at that and I'll review my goals and say, okay, there's my goal. There's my goal. And what's amazing, and you don't know that this is going to happen until you go through this process, you subconsciously do things and you you make choices based on those goals that you've read Absolutely that morning. Right. And that's so that's the difference. So instead of starting out in your email inbox, you start off with what do I want to accomplish that's going to make me a better person, make me a better father, make me a better husband, whatever the case is. And that I can tell you that's one of the most critical things that I've done in my career to get to where we are today. So I would just say, you know, and you don't, do you have to formalize it? Maybe, maybe not. But what what we know is, and I use this uh, survey research all the time, Dr. Gail Matthews from Dominican University did a study in 2007. And they studied people that write down their goals, review them and share them with others versus people that just had goals. And they, they reviewed their progress over a long period of time. And what they found out is that those people that write down their goals, review it on a consistent basis and share it are much more likely to accomplish those goals than those that just have a thought in their head or even write them down and don't review them. So um, if I was to say, and this is whether you're, and this is why we talk about a documented content marketing strategy, by the way, if you document your strategy, you write it down and you review it and you share it with your team, what happens? You are much more likely to accomplish those and do things. There's magic in the telling. There is magic in the telling. So anyways, so you make that personal. So make it personal to you if you want to, by all means, or you could just say, hey, this is a really good thing I should do as part of my marketing strategy or my content marketing approach and do that. And I can, so, so basically, you know, to bring it back to Adam's class, what, I, what, ma- what amazed me is, is I told that story and I, that's how I started off. I'm like, whatever you do, you know, write down your goals, get the journal, you know, and you will subconsciously do things throughout the day to help you achieve those goals. And the questions I got back from those kids almost all revolved around the journal. Like, how do I write down the goals? How do I fi- figure out what those should be oh, and whatever? It so was, awesome. it was really amazing because I think that that's the thing that stuck with them and, and not understanding that when you do those, those things, your brain works differently sure. and it sort of positions you toward the light, if you will, of where you want to go. And so the, I, I it was love the that. thing they could grasp onto, right? Was the writing it down because it's stuff that they have to do every day, right? Oh, that's awesome! I love that. Yeah, it was really good. And so, I mean, as I, if I do more, more uh, sessions for for grade schoolers or high schoolers, you need to improve on that B plus, my friend. Is what, yeah. Gosh, yeah. But that, so that's the second time I've done that. I I talked to a group of high school kids the same thing when I talked about the writing down process, and it's so simple to do. Anybody can do it. And if yeah. you say, "Hey, I could do that," but so what I found out is that. Most people, not just kids, most people do not yeah. have goals. And if they have goals, they, they don't, don't write, write them, them down. Yeah. So the, it's a two-step process. First, you actually have to figure out what you want to do in your life. Yeah. And then once you figure that out, you need to write it down and then start thinking about what the action plans are behind hitting those goals. It's Well, thank you for that. I mean, that's, you know, so I do. I do exactly that. I have a journal that I, and now I don't review mine daily. I review mine monthly. Um, but I do every year. Uh, I write out my yearly goals. I, so of what I want to accomplish, I have a bigger sort of larger thing that I keep. And then I write out yearly goals for what I want to accomplish in that year, both on family, spiritual, health, and career. 
um, and, and write those out. And I, then I review my yearly goals every, uh, every month. And the key there, I think one of the most important things that you said, um, and I do this as well, which is to write them in the present tense. You bring the future forward, right? Bring your future and write them as if you had accomplished them. And that's an important thing because now you're writing them as if you're living in that present. And that's an, that's an important thing. That's an, that's an awesome one. Um, all right. So maybe we'll share one more and then we'll, and then we'll move on here. Um, and so the other one for me is, uh, is, is really operating from a a standpoint of yes. Um, I've said on this show before, and, and I've told you, you've, you know, this one of my operating, uh, sort of things in life is to, my grandfather gave me a, a note when I was a young kid and really sort of, uh, you know, down on my luck and, and depressed. And, you know, it was right after I'd moved to Los Angeles and was, you know, eating hot dogs and potatoes and all that kind of stuff. And he sent me a note and around that, you know, it was a check. He had, he was, it was sort of what turned my, you know, turned my life around in Los Angeles. There was this money that he sent, but he wrapped it in a note, which was a, uh, uh, basically a, 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 a paraphrased quote, um, from, uh, you know, that, that, that's a famous quote that says, do all the good you can for all the people you can for as long as ever you can. And so that sits framed on my desk that I look at every single day. And it's this, what, what it transformed me into doing was operating from the word yes. And so what has, one of the things that I know for a fact has been a part of my success is operating from the word yes. So the, my first inclination, if somebody asks me to do something, is yes. Now, that doesn't mean I never say no. But it means that I start from the attitude of yes and what can I do? How can I be helpful or how can I actually do this thing? Even if it's not immediately evident how it will benefit me because it's just worked. You know, so if somebody asks to pick my brain or somebody wants to, you know, and, and there's a lot of thinking out there, by the way, that says the opposite of this, right? That says you have to manage your time carefully. You have to be very precious with your own time and really, you know, keep a good filter on and all that kind of stuff. And I don't necessarily disagree with that, but what I but what I've I've found for myself anyway is that operating from sure, I'm I want to help, you know, and it may not be in the way that you asked or it may not be in the way that you expected, but I want to, I operate from that yes because it just it, it that karma or that, you know, investment or that sort of attitude, what I have found is, is that it just pays, it just pays off, you know, and I'll use the example again, not to bring it back to, to, to you again, but the very first thing you asked me to do was to sort of, you know, think about and look at while I was still working at my job, you said, Hey, listen, I'm thinking about starting this thing. Would you want to take a look at it? And and the answer was absolutely yes. You know, you know, because it again, it felt right. But but mostly just to say, you're a nice person, and I like hanging out with you. And so yes, and you asked nicely. And so it, operating from that yes has helped me. You know, helped it really transformed the way that I look at work and and my career and everything. It's so funny. We're like, we just have to figure out a way to do something together. Yeah, that's exactly. basically yeah. pretty much how it started. Oh, that is great. Um, I guess the to quickly end this up, and then we'll get to the company stuff because uh, I got a few on, thoughts on that as well. Is I'll take you back. So this is the beginning of two thousand seven. I was working at Penton Media. 
I was. Uh, Let's just my, agree that 2007 was a bad year for everybody. <laughs> oh my gosh! So it was before the great financial yeah. crisis as well. Yeah. But so I was a vice president of custom media. So I was running the, the custom marketing division at Penton Media. It was we were growing. We were actually the one area that was actually growing for the last six years because okay. after 9/11, and then as people were dropping advertising, we were um, people were experimenting more and they were trying to do things differently and communicate differently and we were we actually were growing quite quite well i was doing well at the company but i always had this itch to start my own business as part of my journaling like i'm some you know i'm going to start this business i'm going to do this thing make the so march 31st 2007 is my last day at pent media and the next day april fool's day <laughs> it was, it started officially like started you know put, put out my own shingle uh i had um three conversations with family members that each said the same thing. What is wrong with you? You're making a big mistake. You're, you have a six figure salary. You have benefits. You have to take care of your family. My kids were three and five at the time. It's a big decision. My wife didn't work. I was the sole breadwinner. I mean, there were some issues there and I said, you know, it's now or never. You know, there's never going to be a right time. Sure, that's exactly right. Never going to be. And th- that's the great thing time. to learn from this, right? Yep. yep. Never going to be perfect time. And you can always come up with multiple excuses Absolutely. not to do something. The reason why I'm sharing this is, by the way, two of those three people came back to me later and said, boy, was I wrong. Yeah. But I, I just want to make this clear is when when you feel go into your gut like you said and you feel like there's this passion and you want to do something and you and you're jumping off the building you know you're 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 going full bore you believe this is the right thing to do you're following your passion there are going to be multiple people that think you're crazy that are going to tell you you're stupid and that you're you'll you'll then think you're like oh well maybe I should listen to them don't listen to them because if there are naysayers and there are people out there and saying there no, be. and there always will be, and it you know kind of takes you into content marketing, I can't tell you. And it still happens today. And we have to, you know, we don't fight, but we see all these news articles that tell us that we're pretty much idiots for doing this thing. Sure. We see it every week. I can't tell you how many people said that we were, we, I've personally, I mean, I'll say for me, I've been personally full of it. Like the whole approach, it doesn't make sense. You're selling snake, snake oil. oil. Yeah. The whole, I mean, uh, it, it, you almost have to tune that out and you just have to be, or or you have to let it fuel you, which sure. it's, it's, I sort of did. I'm like, hey, this is, I totally believe in this. I'm all in on this concept. It really, and um, so I guess the, the, what I want to say is, is that you are going to run into many people that will think that what you're doing is crazy <laughs> and let them. Yeah. Let them say whatever they want, and you can even say maybe it is crazy. Yeah, but I believe in this, and I want to. And every uh, the the founder Phil Knight, the founder of Nike, they said he was crazy. Sure. Richard Branson, definitely crazy. Oprah Winfrey, um, are you kidding me? You're completely crazy. Well, Michael yeah. Michael Jordan, you're never going to make Jeff it on the basketball. Right? Exactly yeah. same thing. So the point is, is that yes, you are absolutely crazy. So as Miley Cyrus would say, or no, 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 Miley Cyrus, uh, T- uh, Kesha. <laughs> you were gonna break. <laughs> you got to be one of the crazy ones. I was. I had to break. <laughs> Miley so and or folks, we have Jeff Bezos, Steve Jobs, <laughs> or Kesha and Miley Cyrus. You heard all great Americans, uh, all by the way. Of absolute. <laughs> 
Fair enough. That's a fair point that they are all great Americans. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, there you go. All right. So let's uh, quickly um, talk a little bit about some of the success that we've seen in companies because you and I have both been doing this for – well, you know, officially together for call it six and a half years, but but truly, uh, we've both been doing content marketing for ten plus years. Um, you coming from the publishing side of the world, and me coming from sort of leading the marketing practitioner at uh, first at a software company, and um, and so what have we seen from the companies that we work with? I'll, I'll tell you one of mine, um, which is. So I think we can all agree that content marketing as a process uh, is as a function in the business is a change for most organizations. You know, while it's not new and it's not a, you know, and it's been around forever, where marketing is right now vis-a-vis digital and the transformation of digital and what's going on with content more broadly and how advertising and social and all of the different disruptions that have happened to the marketing process, this idea of content marketing is a new thing for most businesses to to grapple with. And so I can tell you definitely from a data-driven standpoint that the number one thing that I go in and face with organizations is culture. Changing either the mindset of the C-suite to accept this or changing the actual business process culture things that have grown up over time that, you know, sort of um, that are hard to get out of the sort of muscle memory of the way that content is treated in the business. And so I I will tell you the one key big uh, thing that I've seen where companies have been successful in getting a content marketing process is when they make the business case, they actually make a bigger business case than what they actually expect to get. They actually make the business case that is going to completely transform something or they want to go acquire a print magazine or they want to build a team of 50 or they want to, you know, so they make a business case and a strong one to make a big change. And then what they what they hope to get accomplished is the smaller or medium sized change within that. And so, I mean, it's a, you know, there's, there are negotiation classes that tell you this is how you, you know, it's one of the key positions of negotiating where you you ask for more than you want so then you can then you have a place to back into um, this is one of the key things that I've seen be successful like when I talk to a VP of marketing or a director of marketing and they're looking to make a business case in content marketing they go make the case for a complete separate you know team and then when it comes back that they get well some portion of that and they get like a three-person team or they get like a, a few roles or they get some budget or they get enough money to bring in an agency or something, that's really what they were going for after all. So maybe that's the, the biggest tip I can give when you're trying to make that business case is make a bigger case about it than, than what you're really after. So basically you're saying you're never really going to get what you ask for. And so ask for the moon stars. Well, I, I, I would phrase it slightly different, even given our just previous conversation. I would say you are going to get what you ask for, but make sure that you ask for more than what you want. Okay. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so it, it's that's that's the real key. Get what you get what you want. Right. You know, my, one of my the lessons learned in negotiation was always um, negotiate for what you want, not what you think you can get. And so and that goes both ways. In other words, when I'm trying, you know, I, I've, that true win-win of a negotiation is getting what you want and the other person getting what they want. And so not what you think you can get, you know, we have a, well, I'm not going to get into politics, but okay. So the idea is, is that even on the other side, which is 
ask for what you want, but really, you know, make sure that what you want is contained within a bigger idea of what you actually ask for. So yeah, guess what you ask for, but get there by asking for more than you want. Well, I think with that, um, thank you for that. I, I think when you do that, if you can keep other departments in mind with this change, if you keep sales in mind and customer service in mind, I think you have a greater opportunity to make an impact. I think that's true. I think that's absolutely true. I think true. sometimes we go in with this idea that I want to build this content marketing approach and we don't think enough about, hey, look, a lot of this budget, a lot of this influence is going to come from sales. And it, it needs to. A lot of it's going to come from PR. A lot of it's going to come from customer service. So, and that's where content marketing can it can really bring these silos together, like no other, yeah. like no other approach can in the marketing uh, department. The, I guess the one thing that I would say is that I've seen successful over. Shoot, now I've been in this industry for almost seventeen years. Is the the simplicity of the model. And what marketers tend to do is they tend to overcomplicate. Um, if the the biggest successes that I've seen, whether you look at the John Deere, whether you look at Kraft, whether you look at Red Bull Media House, whatever, they all started with okay, what's what is that differentiated story, and then let's be really good at something. Yeah. Let's let's um, you know I'm, instead of doing a video series, a podcast series, and a blog, we're going to pick one. Like what what do we do really well? Is it do we do video like Red Bull? Do we do video really well? Do we tell long form stories really well? Do we do research really well? Pick instead of doing all of it, pick one, and then instead of saying oh we're going to publish everywhere. Let's publish on one core platform exactly. instead of publish somewhere. somewhere and do it really well exactly. and then do that really consistently. Yeah. So if I'm going to blog three times a week and it's on my own platform, my own blog or website, I'm going to blog at you know, 7 a.m. Eastern time, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, and I do that consistently for as long as it takes yeah. unless the data tells me differently that there's something I need to do. And um, by the way, and you and I know this, we've talked about it, our listeners should should know this, but this is how every great media company has started. Yeah. Every one. There's no media company that comes out there that says, we are going to be the leader in podcasts and videos and uh, the written word and print and whatever. Nobody right. has done that. They've all started. And then they've become great at building an audience. One content type and one channel, and then they diversify after the fact. ESPN is a good example. So you start. We started on Sports Center. And <laughs> well, then, I don't know if ESPN these days is a good well, example. <laughs> and they're changing their model. Actually, that's a good. I mean, that's really into content marketing right. and what they're because they're starting to think about their business model that they just can't support it through right. media traditional media revenues. Yeah. Um, so that's that's interesting because they don't. They don't have as much control over their audience as they would like yeah. because the cable and dish and direct, they own the access to that audience, which we've talked about. It's like social media, if you want to think about it that way. So I guess what my learning is, is that when I, run, when I go into a, a marketer that gets the content marketing fever, they want to do so much, which is great. And I love the excitement. But I would really say, look... Let's do something amazingly well, better than anyone else, and not just publish everywhere because we can. Because you absolutely can publish everywhere today, but not that it's going to be effective. And one of the one of my favorite things that you say 
and I, I quote this all the time, is that no media company ever goes, yeah, let's go be the fifth best magazine in our market. <laughs> you know what I mean? But, but that's what brands do. Right, right exactly. exactly. Right? Yeah. You know, as a, it's like Can we be gonna, an also-ran? Yeah. It, sure. You know, if we're going to go launch this new digital magazine, let's make it the best one in the industry, right? Let's make it, let's make it differentiated. Um, all right. Well, you know what we've done was we have actually r- run through time. Um, so we should probably talk about our episode sponsor here. We've run through time. We've run through time. Yeah, we God, actually we, we, we ended so up talking. We we we. Uh, by the way, the the news that we were going to cover, folks, we'll just put it. We will put it in the show notes. Um, but uh, to but to but to, to to be on time, we will we will skip covering it. It's the five trends to watch in content marketing in 2017, which comes courtesy of Forbes um, and goes through a number of the future trends that we'll, we should be seeing in 2017. Go take a look at the article there was a few things that uh, we loved in there and a few things we were like uh, what and then so <laughs> so uh, anyway go have a look at that but uh, but for now we should talk about our our sponsor here. so great yeah we covered the news without covering the news this go. week so fantastic uh, thanks to our very special sponsor this week curlate and curlate has a new uh ebook out for us a new resource called the six tips to lower your cost per click by 40 percent Did you know, Robert, that most media managers are investing their ad dollars in the right channels, yet many fail to employ best practices to ensure their budgets are used wisely? Smarter content... So smarter content powers discovery for your brand and make sure those moments of discovery turn into opportunities for action. I really like that line. Whoever the copywriter is for this Great did a good job. Curalite's guide, Winning Strategies for Facebook and Instagram Ads, show you how, to, how simple changes can lower your cost per click by 40% while delivering a 31% lift in return on ad spend. Well, that's something we all want. Download the guide now at cmi.media slash pnr156. A that's cmi.media slash PNR 156A to get this very valuable guide. And for those of you that are thinking, hey, this is a content marketing podcast, why are we talking about this? Because Joe and Robert are very much fans of spreading out your very good content marketing to audiences that need to see it. <laughs> so you can use advertising and promotion dollars to get that seed. Absolutely. Don't think that we're against advertising. If you've listened to the show, we are very much for advertising when it makes sense, especially with your content that nobody's seeing. Exactly. <laughs> I absolutely would agree with that. Oh my gosh. I you know, it was funny. I was at a conference uh, just on Friday. I was I was I was doing a workshop for for uh, for a brand and uh you know, and they were like, "Do you like advertising?" And I said, "I, I not only like advertising, I love advertising." I said, "I'm the guy who doesn't fast forward through commercials when I watch a television show. I love watching. It. it drives my wife absolutely crazy that I don't do that. I I love watching commercials." Um, all right. Thank you very much to Curalite for that. And uh, now, folks, it is time, as it always is, for your favorite part of the show, which is our rants and rave section, where Joe and I go off on a little bit of a rant or a little bit of a rave over something that makes us feel like everything is awesome or that, quite frankly, we need to process and do a postmortem on this huge fail. Uh, and so, wonderfully, I have this old marketing, so therefore I first. see how I got that down. Now it took us three years for me to get that down, but uh, but uh, I actually there you go first. So I have a rave uh, this week in the spirit of the show, um, which is a book review, and I am eighty, almost ninety percent through with this book, um, and I think 
there are few books that I would say are absolute required reading um, for the audience out there, and this is one of them. Um, this is a new book called Competing Against Luck. The Story of Innovation and Customer Choice. Uh, it is Clayton Christensen's new book with uh, Taddy Hall, Karen Dillon, and David Duncan, um, who are some of his protégés. And it, th- this book is just absolutely – if you enjoyed Innovator's Dilemma, um, this is this is the next book that it will be, I predict, as big as Innovator's Dilemma. Um, it is introducing – in a more formal sense, something that has been around for a few years now um, of of Clayton Christensen's, which is his jobs to be done framework. We have now included the jobs to be done framework in our teachings at Content Marketing Institute um, as part of what we would call persona development. Um, the jobs to be done framework is just an amazingly strong piece of progress and process that really helps you get through this. And this book just really introduces that concept, the basically the how it came about, the how to, and it's just an incredibly wonderful book. And and as all Christensen's books are, they're breeze reads. They're not they're not, you know, heavy geek speak. They're they're very easy to read, very good examples, simple uh, but not simplistic. And I just couldn't recommend this book any higher. It's just it's just that good. That's high praise. Yeah. No, and, 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 and of course we'll have book. a link to it in the show notes. I'm gonna have to read another book. Thank you for that. You sure. read a lot. You read more than I do. A little bit. <laughs> I read. I read at least. That's what, so. Going back to our conversation, that's one of my goals. I, I have a. I have one of my goals is to read at least two or three business books a month. See, I, I have. I, my goal is to read one non-business book. A well, month. and I and that's my. I got to get that into my my curriculum because I have. I mean, I graduated with an English literature degree, and so I read a lot of fiction up through college and then just stopped. I just stopped full stop. And Elizabeth, my wife has made a lot of appearances in this show. Um, she, yeah, she she always chides me that I don't read enough fiction. And she's right. I don't read enough fiction. Well, that's the thing too, is a lot of um, business people think they always have to read business books. And I always find that actually some of my best ideas for writing come when oh, I'm reading you're something right. totally you could not, not relevant. Be more I mean, right on that. people that yeah. li- obviously, if you listen to the show and we come up with our examples, I'm usually you know, doing something non-business related. <laughs> so we'll take that for what it's worth. Um, I have two very quick rants, not in keeping with the show. Um, so I was, uh, I, I'm, you you own stocks and bonds and things like that, right, Robert? A few. Yeah. I'm not. Yeah, I'm not like you, Mr. Daddy Warbucks. No, no. Stuff. <laughs> I do. I do trade. I've been known to trade stocks on occasion. The Warren Buffett of, the, of Cleveland. One of the one of the stocks that I uh, that I own and and really like is Weight Watchers. Now, Weight Watchers has had a really tough time. They're going through a big tran- transformation right now. But the reason why I like them is I their their subscription model is growing. And of course, you know how I love subscription models. They're starting to grow. They're coming out of it. They had a really good earnings report that came out on Friday. So I'm, I go to Yahoo Finance. I have for years to get all my, you know, what's the latest, the, how the, the report come out on Weight Watchers and whatnot. Sure. And I go in and I'm looking at, okay, here's the stock and here's the chart. And then underneath it are all the articles. So the, the first article is always the relevant article, Weight Watchers. So in this case, uh, Weight, why Weight Watchers International stock popped today? Great. That's a very relevant article, right? The next piece is a sponsored article. 
Then they put three other relevant articles, and the next piece is a sponsored article. It's a lot. It 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 looks. It feels like wow, that's heavy because they're real short. So it's sure. like you're you're really now. Then you get two more, and then you get another sponsored article. And I'm going to read this title to you: "21 Completely Unsettling Wild West Photos." That's a I'm, sponsored article. That's a sponsored article. So I'm looking for information on Weight Watchers or at least something around the stock market because sure. that's what my interests are. And yeah. you're giving me 21 completely unsettling Wild West photos. Now, I don't know if this kind of You'll strategy works. You'll never know works. what this celebrity looks like now. That's ex- that's pretty much what it is. Yeah. Yes, something like that. So I'm just saying, I guess I'm pleading. There's got to be a got to be a better way. There's got, first of all, I think there's too many spot, and I know why they're doing it. Well, right. you think Yahoo needs a little bit of dough right about now? But I don't think this is a winning formula. Let's put it put it to get there. So I would just say that now. The second thing is you and I just uh, this was just happened about an hour ago. We went to the Forbes. I was doing the research on the Forbes article where we were going to talk yeah. about the news. And I go to the Forbes, and as I do always when you go to Forbes.com, you get this uh, interstitial quote of the day. It goes to a web page. This is the quote of the day, and Forbes has been doing it as long as I can remember. They cl- You click on it. It's just one screen, uh, quote of the day, and then it'll give you kind of other things you might want to click on. And then if you just w- either click through it or you can wait five seconds or seven seconds, and it'll actually take you to the content you want. And I was voicing my frustration to you and how much I hate Forbes.com and why do they keep doing this to me? And of course, my son Joshua walks by at that same time. He's like, what? And I tell, we tell him what's going on. And he right. says, I can fix that. I'm like, you can't, what? You can't That's fix the that. the internet. You can't fix that. Yeah. So he, he comes back in probably 15 seconds later and he goes over to my computer. And so... Here's a little helpful tip for everyone. If you would like to bypass the Forbes uh, flash screen for quote of the day, Joshua found out how to do it. You just Google in Forbes flash screen bypass, and there's a Chrome extension. I use Chrome, so I don't know if you use Safari or whatever, but if you use Chrome, I'm sure there's extensions on Firefox and whatnot as well. Yeah. You can download the Chrome extension uh, for whatever the – so whatever uh, – my son said they're doing some cookie manipulation. I, you know, that's way too technical for me. But otherwise, you can download the Chrome extension, and you never have to see. Forbes. It's a specific Chrome extension for the Forbes for screen. The, yes, <laughs> that's awesome. So basically, some developer somewhere got so annoyed with the Forbes splash screen that he he or she created a. Chrome extension specifically, specifically for the Forbes. For the Forbes Isn't that screen. fantastic? I love that. So, I anyways, that. if you still get some value, and we do, we cover Forbes articles on occasion here, uh, and you never want to see the quote of the day again, which I never want to see again. Right now, I have an installed Chrome extension. I will hopefully never see it again, and uh, my life is better because that of is it. fantastic. I I am downloading that once we finish this show. <laughs> I absolutely love that. Oh my gosh. Yes, exactly. All right. So uh, we have, well, we have a very special This Old Marketing uh, this week. Um, Because it's our third anniversary uh, show, our Trey Anniversoire. I have no idea what the hell I just said. Um, apologies to those both in Spain, <laughs> Mexico, and France. And actually, France. I, I think you. I think to all of the I European think I Union. Every Romance language <laughs> all at once. There, um, the this old marketing example is uh, is 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 a part of our family. 
And what I thought I'd do, it's the Chief Content Officer magazine, um, our print magazine, which you may or may not know. And if you are not a subscriber, you should become a subscriber. It is free, by the way, uh, to be a subscriber. But uh, I wanted to tell that story because it's just a great example of this old marketing. So what I wanted you to do, Joe, is, is actually tell the story quickly of just the origination of it and how it came to be. And then I'm going to talk about – we did some actual – because speaking of measurement, speaking of best practices, speaking we, – we do the same thing here at CMI. We look and, and go, are these things worth doing? Are, should we continue these things? Are these marketing programs that are actually working for us? And we actually looked at Chief Content Officer Magazine um, as something whether we wanted to continue it or not and how much, if at all, it was contributing to our overall marketing efforts. And we actually came with some really interesting results, which I'll get into. But you Excellent. tell the story about how it came about. Well, um. Actually, even though you, you know I look quite young, I've actually been in this industry for a long time, and I'm I have a very tra- I'm a very traditional thinker when it comes to publishing, and I believe if you're going to be, as we said before, be the leading expert in, although you launch one thing at a time, I always believe that hey, if Content Marketing Institute was going to be the leading expert in. Uh, content marketing training informa- and educational information, we had to follow the three-legged stool model. And the three-legged stool model is you have the leading digital platform, the leading print platform, and the leading event platform. And so when I sketched this out on a It was probably a cocktail napkin. And I said, okay, what does Content Marketing Institute look like when we were figuring out the differentiation story, what our mission would be? I said, okay, we need to have – so contentmarketinginstitute.com would be the leading digital place where people would go. And it would be – we would lead it blog article first. And we would uh, drive people to our email newsletter. And that worked. That was what we started with. And then as that started to get traction, we would launch the magazine second. So the, the magazine that became Chief Content Officer Magazine. Uh, so uh, uh, CMI.com launched in May of 2010, and then we were going to launch, and we did launch in January of 2011, the magazine, and then the print, or then the event, Content Marketing World, that launched in September of 2011. So that was the plan. It actually went to plan. Everything worked that way. But part of that leadership position was was creating the magazine Chief Content Officer. It's amazing. Uh, it's, and, 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 and by the way, it's a, it's a great Great magazine. And we started quarterly. We started quarterly yep. for the first uh, three years. And then we now, ever since then, we've been every other month. Uh, you get the magazine in print, and it goes to about 22,000 marketing professionals. Yeah. And it's just, and by the way, if you haven't felt it, it's, you know, one of the things that Joe takes great pride in, which he won't tell you, <laughs> is the quality of the paper, the way that the magazine actually feels in your hand. The, you know, he cares about those things and, and those things really, really matter. So just so we actually did a look back and we were looking at Chief Content Officer magazine about the way it performed. One of the things. So if you've attended any of our workshops or training, you understand that we look at content marketing measure, measurement across four categories and they are business categories, not necessarily marketing categories. The four categories are campaign measurement. We look at what I call competency measurement. In other words, can we be smarter business? Can we have more insight into our customers? Can we be a better business because of what we learn? Uh, the third one is customer, customer value. And then the fourth is what we call cash. So they're the four C's, our four C's of, of categorization across value by creation of content marketing. So let's look at those. So campaign value. 
from Chief Content Officer Magazine, we did a look back, and what we could see is that we could attribute 10%, about 10%, it wasn't quite exactly 10%, it was approximately 10% of our revenue can be sourced to people who subscribe to the magazine. So right there, it's paid for itself, right? So even then, it's like it's paid for itself if we, if we look at it in that perspective. And so we did that attribution. So, but then we looked at competency, and here's a wonderful thing. So the data that's coming out of this. So remember, we have detailed data profiles on 22,000 people. We not only have their name and email address, we have their physical address too. Now, we don't use that in any smarmy, weird, creepy way, but we actually have that insight, and it helps us be a better business by knowing where we should have physical events, where we have actual proximity to a number of our subscribers, where we have proximity to a number of our subscribers who do more things, in other words, attend more events, attend more webinars, etc. It makes us a better business by understanding the industries, the titles, the people that we're actually delivering value to. We can also give some of that insight, not the data. We don't give the data away, but we can give some of the insight to some of our partners, some of our benefactors and advertisers and sponsors. We can help them be better businesses because we understand that audience better. Then we look at customer value. Oh, can I add to that real quick? Sure, yeah. The other thing we do, I mean, we, we get the industry, their title function, and then their informational preferences as well. Oh, so but great point. That, that goes yeah. into our data. So, so more than anything else, CCO from a data standpoint, I can't tell you how valuable it is it's because huge. you can't get that kind of data through an ebook uh, or uh, an email newsletter or something. But but people are willing to give up that data for a value exchange to get a print magazine. Exactly. So then we look at the third category, which is customer. So we looked at the lifetime value of our customers, those who actually attend webinars, subscribe to the blog, subscribe to the Chief Content Officer magazine, and we started pairing all of those things together. And what we found was that there was indeed a correlation between lifetime value and those who subscribe to Chief Content Officer magazine. In other words, if you subscribe to Chief Content Officer magazine, you tend to come to more events, stay longer at those events, and quite frankly, spend more money with CMI. And so that is a wonderful way for us to increase the lifetime value of, of, of our customers is to get you to subscribe to Chief Content Officer Magazine. And the last one is cash, which we find more and more is an increasingly big piece of what we're doing as marketers and specifically content marketers, which is actually, can we create marketing programs that pay for themselves? And guess what? Chief Content Officer Magazine pays for itself because if you're international, as I mentioned in the beginning, it's free. But if you are international, you actually do pay to receive the print magazine. And we actually sell advertising in the magazine. So we sell ad- So this is a marketing program that pays for itself and adds value to our business. So is it worth doing? Absolutely. Yes, it's worth doing. And and it's a it's an incredibly powerful piece and a wonderful this old marketing example. Well, and you know how much I love the magazine. Yes, and I, I do. I think that uh, if you what most media companies do is they only look at the last uh, the cash variable. That's right. They like oh how much money are we throwing off? If we only looked at that for Chief Content Officer magazine, we would be at break even. That's right. We'd be like we're breaking even. Exactly. Is that worth our time and effort? Probably not. Right. It's it doesn't look good on paper, but when you add the other three, you're like, oh my goodness, 
this is so valuable. That's exactly this is a, right. But we, so you just have, you have to go through all four. And I love how you broke that out into the four C's. And I think any company, a media company can do this. A brand can do this, obviously, because you're going to be teaching this yeah. uh, tomorrow and on Wednesday. So. Yeah, no, that's exactly it. And that's the, and so when we, so this coincides, by the way, with the release of our 2017 framework, our content marketing framework, which you can find on the website and all of that, which goes through this, by the way. And the key is, is that what, what my main point in the blog post that I wrote introducing the, the framework was exactly that, which is if we only look at content marketing as a lead generator, you will not, it's not that you won't find value there. You know, I had to make that clear in a couple of the comments that came in. Wonderful, great comments, by the way, on the blog post. It wasn't that I'm saying that you, if you, you won't find value in lead generation and content marketing, but if that's the only place you look, you may find that content marketing doesn't perform nearly as well as if you expand your remit to look at value across the enterprise. How can it actually increase lifetime value of customers? How can it actually pay for itself? How can it drive leads and how can it actually add, make your business a smarter business? If you start looking at it like that, you'll find that the value is a lot deeper than just looking at it as how many leads can it pour into the funnel. And that's a very hard thing for a lot of people to it grasp. Is. It's a new muscle. It's a, it's a new well, muscle. Have you talked about that? I remember when, when you wrote the intro to Managing Content Marketing, uh, our book that we wrote in 2011, you talked all about that. This is a very difficult thing to do because it's a whole new muscle for marketers to get Three used to years, using. Now, six years, we're, and we're, it feels like we're just in the beginning God. of this, my friend. And I have a full head of hair. Uh, well, uh, no. No, no, no folks, it is not. It's all gone. It's all gone, folks. And it's and my beard's getting gray and but but we're having so a ball. So you and I should wrap this up so we can get to ourselves a cowboy game. That's right. So yeah, we're so this is this is a, a wonderful treat, right? So Robert comes into town in Cleveland, Ohio, my hometown. We're gonna go see a Browns Cowboys game. I have no idea how that's gonna turn it's, out. Well, I have some idea. I have how some idea gonna, how it's gonna turn it's out. Gonna, it's, gonna, it's gonna be a great day for it's Robert. Be a fun day. Uh, it's it's like a, a coronation of sorts for Robert Rose and, and the Cowboys. And then right after that, we're going to get on a plane to Washington, D.C., do the master class, and then Chicago's on Wednesday. Wednesday. So we have it's our six-city tour. We're just starting it out. If you'd like more information, go to contentmarketingconf.com and uh, and sign up, and uh, we'd love to see you. And then we got Intelligent Content Conference coming up in it's, March. Uh, it's, here we go. It's, you know, it's, we just keep on trucking. It's fun. This is a fun time of year for us because, of course, we're we've got some other we've got some other plans that we're working on too, folks. We're very excited about that. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that is it for Joe Polizzi. This is Robert Rose. We are signing off, and folks, you probably didn't realize this, but the three-year anniversary gift—it's not wood, it's not metal, it's actually reviews. And if you feel like this episode and the three years of episodes that have preceded are any good, won't you leave us a kind review on iTunes? And if you haven't yet, we hope you'll also consider subscribing via iTunes or Stitcher.com or your favorite podcatcher or whatever you like. And when you leave us a review or subscribe, if you leave us a review or subscribe, let us know, won't you, on hashtag us up the twigger. And the twigger? The Twitter? What am I saying? I have no idea. It will be twigger soon. The twi- Actually, yeah. when, when Twitter sells, they're yeah. going to rename it twigger. Twigger. I like that. <laughs> It sounds wrong. It sounds really, really wrong. It's there's there's something. <laughs> this whole show is wrong. This whole show is wrong. Anyway, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, that's how much we appreciate you as a subscriber to this little podcast. Story ideas, story ideas, story ideas. We love them. Give us also a hashtag at this old marketing. Tweet us up, or you can send an email at this old marketing at contentinstitute.com. All the links that we talked about, which were none today, will be in the show notes. We will include the one news item that we had when we publish on Monday night, and of course in our show post. At 
thisoldmarketing.com on Saturdays. Until next week, everybody, and the start of another three years, remember, it's your story to tell. Tell it well. We'll see you next week on This Old Marketing. Part of the CMI Podcast Network. Check out all of our shows at contentmarketinginstitute.com.